welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri, joined as always by Allison Aletha. Al, how you doing today? Oh, I'm just peachy. I had a very relaxing, did absolutely nothing weekend. <laughs> nice, nice. I love those, man. Those are, you need those. Yeah, they're just, you know, especially when you've been doing a lot of stuff, like adulting and whatever on weekends before you know like i have a trip next weekend so i just knew that i was just gonna do nothing this weekend yeah i i totally feel that um it's like it's a rainy weekend here too it's like kind of rainy snowy so it just really makes you want to do nothing <laughs> just veg yeah pretty much um but actually i uh uh i went in and did a thing last night i went and got my my first dose of the vaccine and and so that was cool and encourage nice. everybody listening to uh, to do the same do you feel fine afterwards i know i know it's different for everybody but i had a couple people who didn't feel too hot for about 12 hours afterwards uh you know what i i feel right as rain actually and um nice. my my wife had hers done as well and her arm was sore but mine is uh is feeling fine so yeah i you know can't complain sweet can't complain um but you know al i i guess that we should just uh get right into business here because i'm i'm looking at the uh, the dossier for today and we've actually got a lot to cover so we today are going to be covering a a topic that i've been kicking around for at least a year now at this point i would say hey allison at yeah, least a year i think so maybe maybe a little bit more basically since um since disney announced their what if for marvel yes. right yeah so uh, to fill everybody in here, um, I'm, here's a little backstory for this concept that we're going to be doing here today. There is a comic series made by Marvel, and it's called What If? And it's such a cool concept because it, it's like these little one-off stories, and they're kind of self-contained to you know their their arc, and then they're finished. They're not canon, but it's just like a cool story. So like, um, for example, uh, one of the What If? questions that they have i always remember this one was like what if captain america was actually like a soviet soldier or something and he he fought for them like how different things could have been um so the the concept and the idea i always thought was like so cool and like so unique and of course in my brain i'm like well how does this apply to zelda what what are some of the biggest what if ideas in the legend of zelda history and actually we, had, we tried to do a series of articles about a year and a half ago on this very concept, and to say it was a flop and our readers uh, didn't like it would be a disservice to things that flopped everywhere. It was it was not good. It was so bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so we retinkered the format here because that those what if questions were like one foot was into fan fiction territory, one one foot was into reality. We're going straight up reality here today. We're going to ask some of the most uh, interesting and intriguing what if questions in the history of Zelda and in the history of Nintendo. And we're going to speculate as to how different everything could be if certain things had happened or hadn't happened, as a matter of fact. So yeah, this is going to be a series of articles as well. And uh, the first article in this series is one that I just finished penning the other day. And I believe it's something that is very near and dear to uh, your heart, Allison, as well as mine. And I figure that's just where we should start today and go ahead and ask maybe the biggest, in my eyes, one of the biggest what-if questions in the history of Zelda. 
What if the E3 2010 demo for The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword had worked perfectly? So imagine imagine that and we all know the story. This this demo went completely haywire. All the infrared sensors were messing with the the Wii U Plus's ability to track Link's movements. You had uh, Shigeru Miyamoto and Bill Trinan upstage just looking like they wanted to be anywhere else in the world other than up tech demo. I really feel like people lost confidence in Skyward Sword and Nintendo's ability to make like really great motion controls. And it, I, I always thought that it was one of the big factors that kind of made Skyward Sword a little bit of a... Not a disappointment, but it had softer sales than you maybe would expect from a Zelda title. And I think there are a bunch of reasons for this, but I do think that the negative connotation of this tech demo did contribute to that. So I think that that is there as well. And actually, I also think, because I never experienced any problems with the motion controls, and I don't think you did either, right, Al? Not too much. Um, I, I feel like any time I do fear, uh, experience any kind of like loss of... Um like it doesn't sense it too much i can just recalibrate it it's really easy to recalibrate you just press a button and it recalibrates it for you so it's not something that i ever had such a problem with that i like threw my controller across the room because i was so frustrated right yeah and you know i'm the same way maybe once in a while i just had to like you know re-tinker uh something and, and get the uh you know get the thing working again but it it took me like like a split second like it it, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a game breaker for me but i have a theory and i'm sure that people are going to dump on this but like i have a theory that because of this tech demo that people that experienced even the slightest hiccup in in the motion controls even though tons of other games at the time would probably consider like have the exact same things when people saw even that slight hiccup with skyward sword they're like oh this doesn't work it's broken and it's just like that demo and Allison, do you know what? Do you have you ever heard of the term phantom pain? Yes. So explain to everybody what phantom pain is. Actually, I get that sometimes. So, uh, you know, like if you're you have had an injury or something, or maybe you needed to like get it stitched up, or sometimes the nerve endings get damaged. Sometimes you feel like you have that pain again, but it's not really there. It's just kind of in your head. And I I have that from like one of my surgery scars. So like. Yeah, you just kind of have this phantom. It's not really existing, but you feel it. It's weird. It's a weird thing. And it's it's very prevalent on people that have had like like limbs amputated, or for yeah. example, um, they'll they don't have that limb anymore. But if if you have a prosthetic, for example, you'll feel a phantom pain in there, and it's your mind kind of making something out of nothing. And and man, I really think that like there's some version of phantom pain that exists in Skyward Sword. <laughs> with the mind of people that play it because it's like it, it, the slightest little thing it's like oh well, this doesn't work or this isn't working it when it in reality it's it's working more or less fine so i think that if if this demo had never have happened man i just think that i think skyward sword would have sold marginally a little bit better and i think that it wouldn't have kind of the i don't know controversial legacy that it does among zelda titles but what do you think um, I, I, it's hard for me to tell, and maybe I can speak to the rest of the audience that's kind of like me, where I didn't watch the demo. I never saw it. This was kind of a time in my life where I wasn't super involved in the Zelda series, so I wasn't watching E3s, I wasn't watching anything like that. 
So maybe I can speak for the people that were like that in that that had no say on how I felt about the game. So I could see what you mean, especially if people um, are like me now, where you pay attention to just about every single thing that drops about Zelda, you know, and you, you would see that. And especially if you have your hopes up for so long, a new console game, and you're looking at it, and you're ready for this amazing thing to happen, and it's so broken, you know, you're just watching something fail that you love. That would kind of, yeah, that might kind of, like, change my mind about some things, or maybe I would think that it wouldn't be as good. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. That's kind of what I said about that. You know, I, I think that there were always things working against Skyward Sword, and it was never going to, you know, be... It, w it was never going to be as popular as Twilight Princess just because of where it came out on the Wii's life cycle. But I do think that amongst Zelda fans, it could have had, I don't know, a better legacy had it left behind. But, you know, that's just uh, that's just the first of these, like, hypothetical what-if questions that, that intrigued me so much. Here is one for you, Allison, one that I think is, like, maybe actually the most interesting of all of these questions. What if Breath of the Wild was released exclusively on the Wii U as intended? Oh, and, like, the Switch didn't come out at the, well, the same because time? Well, think, because, yeah, think about this. Let's say that the delay had never happened and that... Oh, okay. Let's say that... Um, Breath of the Wild comes out in 2015 when it's supposed to on the Wii U or when they originally promised. Um, or even, let's just say that they never delayed it to port it to the Switch because I think that's what took, you know, the chunk of the big delay was yeah. them reworking it for the Switch. So this one is really interesting because it's like, ima imagine where, you know, Breath of the Wild right now is undisputably the best-selling Zelda game of all time. It's it's one of the best-reviewed games ever it, it's such a cultural phenomenon. It's like, not even just in the video game world, but just, like, in general. You see Breath of the Wild references everywhere. Um, and, but imagine if it came out on the Wii U. The Wii U is Nintendo's worst-selling console by a mile. <laughs> by a mile. It's, it's abysmal. Imagine if Nintendo were just like, you know what, we gotta get this Wii U thing working, and we're gonna load it up with this new Zelda game. Instead of them just saying you know what, we're going to cut our losses and we're going to move on to the Switch. Imagine if they had been like, nope, we're going to salvage the Wii U and Breath of the Wild came out. If That's interesting. I, it, it, it's, it's, it is because it's like, okay, well, would this have really moved a lot more Wii U console units? I don't think so. I think that the Wii U was so dead that it was just like nothing was going to save it, not even Breath of the Wild. And then the really interesting part is okay, well, without Breath of the Wild, what does the Nintendo Switch look like? Because, yep. I mean, right now, of course, Nintendo Switch is like, uh, I think other than the Wii, their best-selling console ever. But, like, imagine if it didn't have that Breath of the Wild IP to, like, really kick off its life cycle. And instead, it has... I mean, it, it didn't even have anything at launch. It had Breath of... If, if you were buying a Switch at Breath of the Wild, you were... you were Or at, at launch, rather, you were buying it with Breath of the Wild. Like, there, there's no... There's nothing else that you were buying... So imagine that Breath of the Wild had came out for the Wii U. It had done maybe okay, probably would have sold like, I don't know, 10 million copies at the very, very most. But then you still have that bum console and you have Nintendo who like is fighting for their life at that point because the Wii U was such a disaster. Like if I think if the Switch would have failed, like they we might be seeing the next Zelda game on the Xbox, but like now because you you waited and you had Breath of the Wild on the Switch, 
you you know you have this whole new life it's such a fascinating scenario i think what what do you think al i yeah i 100 percent agree because my first thought when you said that was like oh my god the switch would have failed like would have bombed because uh like i understand that the switch is a great console and and um you know it is better than the wii u it's better than a lot of nintendo's console and it's you know it's doing really great now but i think because they waited and they put such a great launch game on it you know if you remember back in you know 2000 oh god 17 um <laughs> i almost said 2013 2017 the switch you like it was hard to get your hands on one at launch i had to wait a week to get mine and i had pre-ordered it so and i still had to wait a week i wasn't going to get it the day of so um you know i don't think that would have happened that um like scramble for actual switches to get out there if breath of the wild had come out on the wii u because people have been like oh well i don't know how i feel about some of these other launch games maybe i'll just wait until there's a game i really want to play and then i'll get the switch and mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of people did that because you know they they probably weren't zelda fans but there was a huge chunk of those sales for the switch that are thanks to breath of the wild coming out on it so First of all, I couldn't imagine Breath of the Wild being nearly as popular as it is today, living this long, in fact, because it's four years later, and it's still going very strong. People play it on a daily basis still. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. If it was on the Wii U, because that console was at the end of its life, you know, and if people had gotten the Switch in between that time and now, you know, they would prefer to be playing on the Switch. So now you're kind of leaving a Zelda game behind because you don't want to play on the Wii U anymore. You want to play on the Switch. Plus, you know, Nintendo's success that it had four years ago with the console and the and the launch of Breath of the Wild on the, that console and being able to keep up the momentum that they had, it wouldn't be there without making that decision to, to postpone it for the Switch launch. And, and I'll raise you another interesting what if scenario here so i think that if we go down the rabbit hole here and breath of the wild launches for the wii u instead of the switch i think nintendo has to move something else up to like day one to launch with the switch and i think it would have either been mario kart deluxe or it would have been super mario odyssey which is interesting for both because it's like if it launches with Mario Kart Deluxe, are people really going to be like, oh, okay, well, like, ugh, I just bought this on the Wii U, or, like, this is just a port. Like, this isn't new. This isn't all that cool. Right. Which I could see. Or, let's say that it launches with Super Mario Odyssey. Is the game really finished at that point? Is it really polished? Because that's, you know, that's six months before it was scheduled to come out. Because uh, it, it came out, I think, in October of that year. So, like, are, if, if we're launching with the Mario Odyssey game, that's not really... It, it probably could have used some more time in the oven to bake... Like, maybe if it launches with a Mario game that's not necessarily reviewed all that well, does it still have the momentum that it has? And I I don't think it does. I think that, you know, you kind of nailed it. Like, Breath of the Wild was, like, the linchpin of the Switch's success. And and the Switch to Breath of the Wild. So, 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 so interesting to to think about what could have been had that delay never happened. And to top that off, too, like... I'm sorry to Mario Odyssey like it's a great game but I don't think it's as big as Breath of the Wild especially when it was so hyped at E3 in 2016 which only helped its success so yeah I I mean even if Mario Odyssey came out at launch for the Switch I still don't think it would have done as well interesting 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 um okay well let's let's keep these questions going here Al this is another I don't know that people think about this one very often but 
Um, this is another interesting one. What if Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, had been a traditional follow-up to The Legend of Zelda? So this is interesting in a, in a couple ways because it's like, hmm, this is, you know, such an odd game. It takes everything that The Legend of Zelda for the NES did and it does it differently. It's, it's like a, a totally different style of game. It's got RPG mechanics in it. It's a 2D scroller for most of the time. What if it had just been like another traditional sequel instead? Like, would we have gotten something more akin to A Link to the Past? Would we, you know, would we be talking about Zelda 2 a noteworthy game? Um, and also, like, would it have would it have done better than Zelda 2 ended up doing? Zelda 2 sold a lot of copies on the Nintendo, but it didn't sell as many as the first one. So I'm I'm wondering if if it would have been a little bit more traditional, how that would have changed the the legacy of the game if people would have I don't know appreciated it the same way because I do think that Zelda 2 has like a little bit of an appreciation now all these years later um or and or maybe I don't know maybe we would never really would have got a link to the past the same way that we did because they might have felt like well kind of been there done that and like now let's try and make a link to the past something a little bit different so it's it's an interesting one I'm kind of thinking of what it's done for the series as a whole instead of, like, just for the game itself. But if it had been, you know, like, a direct sequel where it looked pretty much the same and run the same way, maybe a little bit more difficult, maybe a little bit more different story, um, I, I'd be worried that the series wouldn't be the same as it is now because there are so many different types of Zelda games and so many different, uh, like, genres and art styles and play styles and all that kind of stuff and if Nintendo if Nintendo hadn't you know taken the risk to make it so different even though like obviously I don't like it that much but they did do something with it and you know they took they took that risk and they made it different and while it's not the best that doesn't mean like they didn't learn from that experience and move on and make another really iconic Zelda game next and follow mm. through with even more iconic Zelda games o- Ocarina of Time Wind Waker Twilight Princess like if they had just kept going in the same formula, I, I were I would worry that they would be like, "This is what works, so let's why change it?" You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm glad yeah. they were innovative back de- then, and it has con- uh, continued to be innovative now. And, and the other side of that too, which is really interesting to think about, is like, man, what if what if Zelda Two was like a massive hit, and people <laughs> loved it, and they loved the style of gameplay, and then like all of a sudden a link to the past is like this 2d side scroller like that's that's also wild to think <laughs> oh, about good lord yeah it is a little wild to think about that makes me a little nervous <laughs> can you imagine every time you die in a link to the past you have to go all the way back oh, to the sanctuary God, it's already hard enough for me as it is Ugh. oof okay well so that that right there i feel like is an unbelievable scenario but i'm gonna raise you an even more unbelievable scenario here what if the CDI games would have been a major hit. <laughs> Think about that. So we have the CDI games introduced like talking characters. They introduced, uh, you know, side scrolling. It's a lot like Zelda two, actually, in a way they introduced side, side scrolling mechanics. I know that the games aren't classically very good by what we would describe as, as being a great video game, but like, just imagine that in some world people were impressed by the graphics and the music, which is impressive. And we're just like, this game rules. And like, these characters are super fun. And I like all the different levels and 
talking talking in my video games is great. It's something I've never seen before. I want more of this. Can you imagine the impact that that would have had on the series? Imagine if people were talking in Ocarina of Time and they were using like the same Link voice and the same Zelda voice and <laughs> there was all these crazy characters that were coming back. Like, can you, I mean, imagine how this series would look and play if these games had been a success. Oh my gosh, the villains would have been so goofy. <laughs> they're just so they're just so wonky. I mean, I I love the CDI games, and yeah, I could just imagine things being totally different because Nintendo they do kind of like as much as they do like to change things, they do learn from what they did before, and you know, kind of make quality of life changes. So if people had liked those games and they had liked these little wacky cutscenes that pop up when you talk to a person and that actually has voice acting and the anime and granted the animation in that in those games it's not great but there was more animation <laughs> in the cutscenes um and then like um f- just like a more like a less how do i say this because it is kind of fantasy sounding but it's like also more 80s late 80s 90s sounding music oh yeah so what if they had more like real life music put in to the Zelda games, even though it still kind of sounds a little fantasy. Like I just can't even imagine. I feel like the music would be so different if those games were a success. Um, I mean, I'm kind of glad that they aren't because like as much as people joke about them and like hate them or whatever, I still like, they still have a charm to them. Even, like in spite of that. So I'm kind of glad they didn't do well, but and especially if they <laughs> if they did well and they influenced the rest of the series, that just kind of scares me a little bit. Amazing to think about what could have been, but <laughs> I, I mean, to your point, I, I don't think that there was ever any chance that those games could have done well. Um, and I think Nintendo knew that. That's why they don't acknowledge them, and that's why they kind of sweep them under the rug as it is. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, it it is interesting to think about like how you could really apply that to the the Philips CDI in general. Like what would Nintendo have looked like if that had been a success? Because like for the whole, the whole Philips thing was really um, kind of the Genesis for a lot of like the modern console wars. Cause like originally Nintendo was going to team up with Sony to make a disc drive. And then they backed out of the deal and went with Philips instead. So Sony was like, well, we're going to make our own. And they made the PlayStation. So it's, it's kind of, it's funny to think about how those CDI games are like at the center of so much pivotal moments in history, because like, you know, again, it's like, man, what if Nintendo had stuck with Sony, they had made these Zelda games and we never had the PlayStation. Uh, and you know, maybe, maybe these games would have been hit because they're, they're made by completely different people on a completely different software. Um, you would have had the Nintendo 64 probably, look completely different than it did so it's it's just like funny to think about how these games when you know you you kind of look at them and laugh at them because of the memes or whatever but they they really showed up at like a really crazy point in history of you know the the video game timeline if you will yeah it was like a good turning point then for a lot of things that were happening um with the console wars like you said and just like it's just, I don't know, it's just crazy to think of, like, at each point, how it could just have pivoted the entire industry. That's just crazy to think about. Well, from one hypothetical timeline to another here, 
What if Nintendo had never published the official timeline? You know what? I I kind of feel like we're back in that era where... Because before they published the official timeline, and they published that with Hyrule Historia, which uh, that released along Skyward Sword, correct? Yeah, 2011. Right. So they made this this cockamimi timeline that went with it, and it split into three different parts. And, you know, we've talked about it here before, but I think that Nintendo truly regrets that, and that's why they kind of are doing what they're doing with Breath of the Wild. But, like, man, what what if they had just never done that and left it up to fans to keep guessing? Um, I actually, I think that this one is one that, whether they released it or not, fans were always going to guess, they were always going to speculate, they were always going to disagree, poke holes, whatever with the official timeline, but I just, I always thought that it was weird that Nintendo acknowledged it. They actually acquiesced to fans and said, like, you want a timeline? Here you go. Here's your timeline. And, uh, it, it, it always just surprised me that this actually existed. Yeah, I kind of feel like I would have been one of those people, because again, this was a time where I, I was a little bit younger, and I wasn't super prevalent in the Zelda uh, community, so I didn't know that there was, like, these theories that there were split timelines and all that kind of stuff. I didn't know about that until when I came back into the series in 2013. So it was a little bit after, but I think if I had been involved at that time or hell, if the timeline had never come out, I probably would have been one of those people who had my own like handwritten journal of where everything was placed because I really like lore and I really like uh, speculating different things about, you know, Marvel's timeline, Lord of the Rings timeline, all those kind of things. I really like all that stuff. So I think I would have gotten super into it. Instead, I was just kind of fed it in 2013. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Well, I'll just have that in the back of my head for the rest of my life thinking about the Legend of Zelda series. So um, I feel like I would have probably been doing more work and known no more Zelda information <laughs> if it never came out. It's It's funny, too, because I bet you that, like, at least in my eyes, because, you know, timeline's never been a, a big deal to me, but I do know that when they released that, I was just like, the the downfall timeline, what? Like, I didn't die in Ocarina of Time, and then I went back and, like, replayed Ocarina of Time, and I wonder how many people went back and, like, experienced Ocarina of Time again, or maybe experienced it for the first time to see, like, if there was branching paths in that game, and like there kind of is, but not really in the traditional sense of like you can pick an ending kind of deal. So I wonder how many people were exposed to Ocarina of Time because of this timeline business and, and that game being such, you know, such a, an instrumental part of that timeline. So it's it's interesting to think about to me about, you know, how Nintendo, first of all, went ahead and made this and how it kind of influenced the fan community because for... For a long, long, long time. I mean, and you still see people talk about and discuss the timeline today. But I mean, like, that was the thing before, you know, before this book came out. And it was it was almost just like giving fans like the, the answers to everything they'd ever wondered before. So it, it I don't know. It, I always thought that it took a little bit of the wonder away to me. But it's it's just interesting to see Nintendo make that decision. Yeah, I, I would agree that it does kind of take the wonder out. Because like I said, I probably ha would have done my own research and stuff like that um, if it wasn't 
out. And, like, I understand that people are, you know, that don't really understand the downfall timeline or don't like it or whatever. And I, for me personally, I'm just like, well, you time travel a million different times in Ocarina of Time. It's really not that far out of the realm of possibility for it to split at least three ways. But anyways, um, like, <laughs> I just think it, it, it is something that Nintendo kind of did because I, – and I don't know how crazy the theories got or how crazy – fans were asking questions asking them questions about it but it does kind of feel like they were just like okay here whatever you take this and they didn't realize how it was gonna be like influential to the series later on in later years you know 10 years later and they're still being asked when does breath of the wild fall in the timeline i'm sure that they get really annoyed by that so maybe they should have just left it and people could have just like they're trying to do now they're like fill it in wherever you want it's basically at the end forever away and people are just like trying to figure it out themselves and arguing about it and pretty sure it would have been like that for the last 10 years either way so yeah probably yeah um all right well let's let's keep going here this is an interesting one because man it's, it's just like if this would have happened it would have changed everything but what if ocarina of time had been a traditional top-down game instead of moving into the world of 3d for the nintendo 64 now I mean, this is this is obviously very unlikely because in the in the era of the N sixty four, everything was moving to three D. Like everything was going to three D. So I don't think that it's very likely that it was ever considered to have Ocarina of Time be anything but what we ended up getting. But just put that hat on for a second here and and really think about that. Like, what if Ocarina of Time had just been a higher res, higher like better graphic version of A Link to the Past? would the Zelda series be where it is today if that had taken place? Because Ocarina of Time shaped, you know, for, for God, like at least a decade after it shaped all of the main entries in the Zelda series. Um, and, and that's not to mention just what it did for video games in general. Had, had Ocarina of Time not, you know, been the game that it was, would we have things like uh, a lock on button or context sensitive buttons or, any of the the many innovations that Ocarina of Time did, I, we probably would have got them eventually, but from what game and for how long and all that stuff is like super interesting to me. And it really is like, imagine if if Ocarina of Time was just like that that two D top down, a link to the past follow up. Like, what would what would the rest of the series look like? Like, what's what's Majora's Mask looking like? Do we get Twilight Princess? Do we get Skyward Sword, Wind Waker? Like all of that stuff. It, it like. Ocarina of Time was so influential that I I don't think it can be overstated. So it's it's so it's so mind-boggling to think about what if they had done that. Not that I think they ever would have, because I think 3D was always going to be the way. But man, that's that's bonkers to think about. Like if this game hadn't have existed, like there are so many other games that probably wouldn't exist either. Yeah, I would agree with that, and that's kind of like the same thing I was saying with uh, Zelda Two. In that, you know, I'm really glad that they didn't just think, oh, A Link to the Past was such a good success. At least I imagine it was a good success considering how it is now. But um, that they were going to, like, kind of do a repeat or a sequel or kind of go in that same direction. Instead, they were innovative and they went beyond. And they um, they took a chance and it was a really successful game. And it did a, a lot for not only the Zelda series but video games as a whole. But I can imagine actually how it would have affected me personally at that time because I was 10 when I played this game. I had seen people play it before, but I was 10 when I played it myself, 
And if it was just a top-down Zelda game, I don't think I would be that into Zelda or video games at this point in my life. That was yeah, like to- a, totally, yeah. That was a huge part of what got me into video games because I played it with my brothers. We all played it together. It was something. It was a memory that I will always have with me, and it was such a magical, like, game for us. And um, it got me into the video game world where I wanted to keep playing more, where I wanted to play more Zelda. Um, and it's just, like. I just honestly don't think I would be that into video games now at all, like like any of them, just because of that game. So if it was just a top-down Zelda game, I would have been like, ah, oh, video games are cool. This was fun. All right, cool. And then I'd move on with my life. As a 10-year-old, yep. you know, it, it <laughs> it's not very influential if it wasn't a super cool, innovative 3D Zelda game. Yeah, I, I feel like the exact same way. Ocarina of Time, to me, was that game that was just like, before I played video games as like kind of a fun thing to do with my friends for like a little while. Um, but after Ocarina of Time, I was like, this is, th- this is art. Like this is something yeah. completely different than what I thought video games were or could be. So I, I didn't even think about that, like how it would influence us as individuals. Cause, and you know what? I'm sure that if they made a top down Zelda game for the N64, it would have been great, but it wouldn't have been the same. Yeah. And it, it the, the, Man, the series would just look completely different. I mean, like, without Ocarina of Time, there's no Breath of the Wild. There's no, there's none of it. So it, it's just, it's really wild to think, you know, what what could have been. And, and thank, thankfully, that's one of those what ifs that that didn't happen. And they did release Ocarina of Time as is. So, uh, you know, for forever grateful for that. Yeah, for um, sure. Let's <laughs> let's stick with the with the 3D Zeldas here, though. And uh, let's talk about another really big hypothetical that, I, I don't know, this was probably pretty close to happening at one point, but what if Nintendo had made The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker using the Space World 2000 graphics? Allison, do you remember the Space World demo? No, you might have to refresh my memory here. So when um, when Nintendo made or when they first unveiled the GameCube, they they showed this reel at a, a gaming convention called Space World, and this was in the year 2000. So they showed this reel of Link fighting Ganondorf, and you've seen this reel for sure before. It, it looks, it basically looks like a really pretty version of Ocarina of Time. Very realistic, bright colors, not ugly like Twilight Princess, but like realistic, right? Mm-hmm. And it looks really great. So people naturally assumed that the the legend of zelda title on the gamecube was gonna look like that because they they had the assets they'd showed it running on the gamecube and then when the wind waker came out and was revealed to be cell shaded people went ballistic and i i was like a very big nintendo guy at that time i was on like i was probably like i don't know 13 or so when they revealed this and like I was on all the message boards and like I was on, you know, like the Game Facts message boards and GameSpot. And I was just like, oh, yeah, Zelda looks cool. But everyone else was like, this is garbage. Like, this is just like this is for kids. Kitty was the word that was being thrown around a lot. And like yeah. people were just mocking uh, the cell shaded graphics. And I I don't know if that did have an influence on how the game sold or performed, but it might have had some. Um, but it might've also just been that, you know, Nintendo GameCube wasn't a very strong system at all in terms of sales, but the Wind Waker didn't, you know, it didn't achieve what 
Ocarina of Time before it or Twilight Princess after it had achieved. And I wonder how much of that was because of that look. And I wonder how much of that could have been achieved if they had went with the more traditional graphics. But then on the flip side of that, imagine if they had went with those graphics, there's like an, a, an entire subsection almost of Zelda games that does not exist because there's no cell shaded art style. Like there's no yeah. Phantom Hourglass. There's no uh, Spirit Tracks. There's no Minish Cap. There's no Toon Link in Super Smash Bros. Like that was such an, at now an iconic and beloved look, but at the time people just hated it. And it's interesting to think about what, what if, you know, they had went with that original graphical presentation that they had unveiled at space world. Would the game have been better? And I don't know what, what else would we have gotten instead of all those games that I just mentioned? Yeah. And would it, another question uh, is like, what if it influenced people in their thoughts, right? Of wind waker. And for me personally, I don't think it would have because once again, I didn't see it at the time, but I hated wind waker when, <laughs> when I first saw it, because like I said, my brothers and I, um, and wind waker was just coming out when, uh, when we were playing Ocarina of time and Majora's mask, but we played those two games and then, there's Wind Waker, and we were like, what the F is this noise? <laughs> this is so bad. What the heck? And I came back to it in 2013 when it was released on HD, and I was like, this game is beautiful. What the heck was I thinking when I was 10 years old? So I can understand, um, you know, that viewpoint when you're coming off of Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask to Wind Waker, and it's so different, especially if Nintendo had released some footage of, I just watched it a second ago just to refresh my memory. If they had released that footage and were like, kind of like, you know, hinting at the fact that the the series was continuing in that direction artistically, like that would be really upsetting if you got Wind Waker after that. So I can understand that feeling, but yeah, if it had continued on, um, where they had given us that, like like you said, it would there would be so many um, games that never came out. Um, there would be so many things that they never tried, like, uh, some, like, um, I'm trying to think of the word, some items that, uh, came with those games that are very specific to those games and are now a part of the series as a whole. And, like, yeah, that, that's just crazy to think that, um, something as tiny as that, because I just watched it, it's so short, it's like literally 10 seconds long, um, could have influenced the series completely and gone in that direction. I can maybe see it as influencing Twilight Princess a little, you know, like maybe they oh, went yeah. back to it after Wind Waker and that's kind of where they went. But if we had gotten Twilight Princess before Wind Waker or no Wind Waker at all and just got Twilight Princess, I mean, I could see some people being happy with that, but at the same time, I don't even know where the series would have gone at that point. And, and it's strange too, because like, in, in my worldview, you you couldn't have released The Wind Waker, the game that was, using those style of graphics. And maybe it's just because, like, right. we're so... It, it, you, like, it's just burned in our brain. Like, that's the presentation. Like, that's... This is what the world looks like. But, like, imagine sailing on the King of Red Lions with, like, realistic Link and using <laughs> your Deku Leaf with realistic Link. Like, it yeah, just... It, it doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 no. Like, I don't know. I don't want to do that. Um, so it's, it's weird to think like you probably would have got like a completely different game than the wind waker. So, I mean, for sure, then you wouldn't have got your phantom hourglass, uh, game after that. You might've got, uh, you know, you probably would have got some other version of a DS Zelda game. I'm sure. But yeah, it's just like, it's like, wow, that that's, 
and and everybody was expecting them to use that style of graphics too. I just I will never forget, you know, how how livid people were when you know, quote unquote, Zelda was revealed, and they Zelda. were like people were people were boycotting it. If if there would have been one of those like change.org things back then i bet you it would have had like a million signatures to change it back to the space world graphics it's it's a wild it's a wild thought it's a wild and thought to think about nintendo needs to be careful with some of their marketing some somebody needs to get fired for whoever's making <laughs> certain marketing decisions even recently so <laughs> well let's uh, let's move on to another one i don't think that this what if question would have affected the history of Zelda necessarily at all, but it is a fun question just to think about as Zelda fans. What if the third Oracle game had in fact released alongside Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons? Of course, we did a big episode into the so-called Oracle of Secrets game uh, probably about a year ago now, and there's some wild rumor and innuendo about what that game would have been and it could have been. Oh I don't gosh. know how much of it is true, but right, some of it was like gruesome. I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> there, there were people on flaming trees getting hit by whips and or something like that. Yeah, uh, it, it was, it was something else. But you know what? What if we had gotten this trifecta of games? I think that that would have really, I don't know. I, I love, I love seasons and I love ages, but it always did feel like something was missing maybe i don't know like everything was set up like there's three oracles but only two of them are ever used and they did find kind of a a neat use for pharaoh in in the oracle of secrets role kind of being the link between the two games but i i did think that there was like something there that they could have done um i i don't think that this would have affected zelda in in history at all really if the game had been released or not released i think that it was probably better that it wasn't released because you know, even releasing two games simultaneously kind of takes away from the other one. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, it, it, I mean, as a fan, I'm just like, man, what if they would have released that game? That would have been so awesome. Like, I would have loved to see this game. And, and even today, I'm still holding out hope. I'm like, man, if they remake these these Oracle games, they, they got to throw an Oracle of Secrets here, too, just for a little, you know, something, something. If we're going to be buying the remakes of these Oracle games. So, yeah, one of those ones that... Uh, I don't think has any real big ramifications, but is really for me as a fan, like something cool to think about. Here's what I think. This is what would have happened if the third Oracle game came out. You and I would have done 24 dungeons in a row. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> and it would have been long and it would have been awful. And we were already done with it by the end of the first game. <laughs> we would have been playing all three of those in a row for our Oracle retrospective episodes. Um, it, it is kind of interesting because they have such, each game has such a, like, a notoriety to it. Like, one is the puzzle game, one is the combat game, which I saw when I played them was very much true. I, I would agree with that. So, it would kind of be interesting to see what the heck they would do for the third game and what that would be today. Um, I think it might have changed how they come out with games. Maybe they would have decided, hey, this worked out well. Maybe we can do another set of games like this. Um, but maybe that's the reason that they didn't. They wanted to, to see how two would do, and maybe the two didn't go out so well. So they were like, nah, let's not do the third one. I don't really know how that whole thing came about. But I'm, I'm pretty glad that that was, that was like a one-off kind of situation where they were like simultaneous games like that. 
and um, and a, a third one would have been a lot. I think my answer would have been different like <laughs> a few months ago before I played them, but I think a third would have been a lot. Yeah, I, I think three games at the same time is is probably too much, and you know it's it's great it's it's for the better that we didn't get that. But like, imagine if let, let's just say instead of that, imagine if they kind of did like the uh, the Pokemon Yellow so to speak here. So we've got red and blue releasing at the same time. And like a year later, instead of Pokemon yellow, it's Oracle of secrets. And like, here's all the stuff that we were working on, but didn't have time for would have been very cool if they had done that. And who knows? Maybe they, maybe they will in the future. Can always hope. Uh, well, here's, here's another one that I don't, I don't think this changes the direction of Zelda at all, or maybe it does actually in a certain way, but uh, I definitely not as, as big ramifications as the other ones that we've touched on here. But this one is near and dear to my heart, Allison. What if The Legend of Zelda Four Swords Adventures had released with normal controls? <laughs> what? Okay, so key question here. What is the lowest selling Zelda game of all time? I'm guessing Four Swords Adventures. <laughs> Four Swords Adventures. Do you know why that is? It's not because it's a bad game, because it's a very fun game, actually. Yeah. Fun fun multiplayer and fun single player. But the the game was absolutely marketed as a multiplayer experience. I don't remember them ever saying, like, this is a great single player game. It was always marketed as a multiplayer experience. And to play the thing multiplayer, you need four Game Boy Advances, four GameCube to Game Boy Advance connector cables. It's redonkulous. And they've never released it anywhere else. It, like, playing this game is an investment far beyond the cost of the actual game because you have to you have to get the equipment. You had to have been a dual, like, Nintendo console owner at the time. And you got to know, like, three other blokes with the game and the, and the system as well. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that, with the same, the same, all the same stuff. So, yeah, if it had come out with uh, normal controls, you know, you just pop it in and you play it with whatever with your pals it would have been a far more better selling game um probably a better reviewed game because like you said it's a pretty good one it just didn't get a chance for a lot of people to play it and um it even today it would be a, a more heard of zelda game i think because people would be comparing it to something like triforce heroes and be like four swords adventures was so much better like you know, when it came out and I was able to play it with my friends, but nobody was able to play it. So <laughs> they can't compare it to something like uh, Triforce Heroes. You know what I mean? Yes. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because at, at the top of this, when I started talking, I was like, this wouldn't have really changed anything, but maybe it would have, you know, would have boosted the sales of this game by a little bit. More people could appreciate Four Swords Adventures. However, what if this game had come out with normal controls, people played it, and it sold marginally well, and, you know, Nintendo was like, okay, we've got this neat little niche multiplayer Zelda formula. If we ever need to go back to it, let's just do the same thing. But instead, because this game was was marketed with all these gimmicks and peripherals, instead, all these years later, when Nintendo wants to revisit the multiplayer Zelda idea, we get this blight, this blight on the series that is Triforce Heroes. All because Nintendo saddled Four Swords Adventures with all these gimmicks that you needed to play. All these obtrusions in the way 
of people playing this game. Because of that, by God, we got Triforce Heroes all these years later. This might actually be the most important and impactful what-if question on this list. <laughs> Andy, oh my God. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still like Triforce Heroes. I like playing it with my friends. And I feel like Nintendo was trying to make up for the fact that Four Swords Adventures is very non-accessible. Um, so they tried. It just wasn't that great. So, I don't know. Somewhere they need to come in the middle of those two and, like, have it more accessible and have it be as fun as it was in Four Swords Adventures. Not as crazy long as both of those. Those games are actually kind of long. Um, I don't know what's wrong with me in the length of Zelda games, but some of them are a lot longer than they need to be. Um, so, like, I understand where Triforce Heroes was coming from, but it probably wouldn't have been created at all if not if not for the fact that Four Swords Adventures was so terribly, uh, so terribly, like, controlled. <laughs> uh, a blight on the series is what Triforce Adventures is. Um, all right, I, I skipped one here. Let's go back. What if, Allison, what if The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, had kept the RPG elements of Zelda 2? This is an interesting question because, you know, I I could see... Have you ever played Final Fantasy VII Remake? Me? No. Do you know kind of like how it moves and controls? No. I'm so not helpful. Well, that's not helpful. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> anybody listening out there that has played that game, I I could kind of see Zelda being almost like that. Where like if it had kept the RPG elements, like you're leveling up kind of like the characters in that game, you can I I could have seen them introduce like a branching skill tree or something like that. Maybe you can upgrade your magic, maybe you can do a bunch of different things. Um because you know Zelda 2 did have, like, it had spells, it had experience points, it had all of these different rewards that were actually, like, kind of cool, but they were very quickly dropped in A Link to the Past with, like, you know, you had your magic meter, but it wasn't really based on any kind of numbers or experience, and, like, you yeah. you had medallions, but they were, like, they were items rather than spells that you could use. Um, it, you know, they got rid of experience and just went back to heart points, this is kind of cool, though, because I, I think that Zelda could have looked a lot like what like some of the action RPGs, like modern-day Final Fantasy VII Remake, look like, where it's still in third person, um, you're, you know, you're still free-flowing combat, but, you know, maybe you get that experience, maybe, you know, you they would have went the road of, like, unlocking different moves or skill trees or something like that, so it's interesting to think about, like, if they would have stuck with that, where it could have ended up coming to you and I, you know what i actually i wouldn't have hated that if zelda had stuck with that yeah i can kind of see it um having moved in the direction of skyrim a bit because uh yeah that's, that's the game that i really like that's an rpg and you level up and you have skill trees that you unlock certain things and i really like that game and i keep going back to that game and i totally could see zelda being that kind of game it just never has been or, like, maybe it tried for a second in Zelda 2, but it just hasn't been like that since. And I could see that actually happening in future Zelda games now with this open world concept that we're going to be sticking to. So, I mean, I could see it happening, but um, if it had happened, if it had kept going with Zelda 2 uh, or past Zelda 2, then that's where I would see it now. But maybe it's a good thing that it's not because it is kind of a special, you know, it's got its special uniqueness, you know, it's Zelda formula that 
not a lot of other games have. Other games try to mimic that, but it's not the same. And maybe it is kind of good that we haven't gone into the RPG completely. So, I mean, we all love it, so why change it? Yeah, it's it's just interesting because I think that I think that if you ask most people, like at least in my in my conversations with people about Zelda 2, generally speaking, I think that everybody liked the like experience and the spells and stuff like that. So it it just it always struck me as kind of odd that like, you know, you could have taken some of the positive elements from Zelda 2 and and brought them over into a link to the past but really nintendo is just like yeah like nope. l- let's just let's just go back and remake the first game zelda 2 is a failure let's just not take anything from that game <laughs> yeah so <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know I, I always thought that it was interesting that they didn't do that because yeah i mean at least in my vantage point like it was it was always pretty well received but maybe maybe i'm out to lunch yeah speaking about to lunch man oof, how about this one imagine this it is 1988. You are a kid. You are watching TV in uh, in the morning. What are you watching? The Super Mario Brothers Super Show. And what is on? The Legend of Zelda cartoon. What if the Zelda cartoon being uh, a big hit had influenced future Zelda games? That is so Think- terrifying. Think about that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna plug my podcast, Virtual Theater, a podcast about video game movies and stories that shape them. Which we just reviewed the newest Mortal Kombat movie, by the way. Uh, you should go nice. check that out. But over on patreoncom theater, we have a bonus series that uh, is is Gooey Fame and myself covering the entire Legend of Zelda cartoon. And at at the point when the Zelda cartoon was made really only one Zelda game had been out. So they really took liberties with Link's personality and like Zelda's personality. And like everyone knows the memes and like, excuse me, princess. And they just made him like such a slimy horn dog, basically. And they made Zelda kind of this, like, uh, I don't even know how to describe Zelda, but it's certainly not what we see here in the games. But imagine if that was like the definitive trait that Nintendo was like, you know what? A lot of people watch this cartoon. We're going to, we're going to model Link in A Link to the Past or Ocarina of Time after this. Or, like, give them some personality traits based on their appearance in the cartoons. Because the CDI games did. But imagine if Nintendo had done this as well. Like, how how different Link the character would be. How different Ganon would be. Like, that dude in the cartoon is, like, he looks more like Skeletor than, than the Ganon <laughs> that we know and love. So, it's, yeah, man, like, what if, what if they had done that? It's, oh God, I don't even know. It, the thing about the Zelda cartoon, and as great as it is, you know, it's always good to watch it and like crack jokes and laugh at the cheesiness and all that kind of stuff, is that it doesn't, it hasn't aged well. <laughs> A lot of the jokes are really sexist and dumb, and <laughs> <laughs> it just hasn't aged well, and I cringe every time I'm watching it. So, like, it would just make me so sad if Link was actually like that as a character. And I mean, I understand he's fictional, but you know, a lot of us actually really like, like a lot of the Zelda fandom look up to him because he's like this silent protagonist. And first you can kind of like, like Nintendo intended, they wanted you to have him be your avatar so that you were running this adventure. But now he's actually like this, this character that we all know and love. And I can't imagine knowing and loving him very well. (laughs) <laughs> if he was like oh, the cartoon man. link so there's that and like 
uh, Zelda, she was kind of proactive a little bit in the cartoon from what I remember. There were definitely some questionable parts, but, like, she was kind of, like, you know, ready to jump in and do her job and that kind of thing. So I can see that would be okay. But, yeah, Ganon would be funky as all heck. <laughs> he... <It's> a... <laughs> Just as a side note, so in the in the first episode, in the first three minutes of the first episode, oh God. the first thing that you see Link doing is spying in Princess Zelda's room while she's getting changed, and he's oh. like, "What of you?" Oh my God, no! Like, I I just like I think it's so funny that they were just like, "Okay, we have a blank slate to give Link any kind of personality that we want. What should we do?" And someone was like, "Make, make him a sleaze ball." ball. I love it. Like, all right. I'm so glad he's not really like that. <laughs> what? What if though? What if they had uh, stuck with that and rolled what are it they forward? Teaching children in the '80s. <laughs> it's it's bonkers. Like you, I'm I'm just gonna say you should go and check out our shows over on Patreon.com/slash/VirtualTheater. Uh, wild stuff. All right, one last one here, and this one is somewhat timely to our predicament right now. And, uh, you know, the rest of these questions are kind of questions that are, like, can be asked at any time because they, they're happening in the past. But this last one is happening right now, and it, and it makes me kind of sad in a little bit of a way. But what if this uh, 2020 year hadn't went the way that it had, and if we did not have this pandemic, what if that had not happened? Would we be playing Breath of the Wild 2 right now? Because part of me thinks that we might have been. Maybe, maybe not, but part of me thinks that that had everything that happened in 2020 not happened, we would have gotten this game uh, maybe March, like uh, about a month ago. Mossy's, I know, was convinced that we were getting it in November of 2020. So it's crazy to, like, what if? What do you, I don't know. What do you think, Al? It's like insane. I was actually talking about this yesterday with movie about movies and the whole pandemic and how it would be so different now. What freaking phase of Marvel we'd be in at this point. (laughs) Um, But I remember like I'm trying to go back in time to a little bit before this time last year. And I remember us talking about it. And a lot of people were convinced that it was going to be 2020 that Breath of the Wild 2 was going to come out. I said if we didn't hear any news by August, it wasn't going to come out by 2020. So that was my prediction. And of course that came true because of the pandemic was like super strong at that point. So yeah, it's like, it's insane. And a lot of our speculation changed like within a few weeks because they're like two week lockdown. And then it quickly became more than that. So a lot of us were just like, man, are we even going to hear anything about Zelda this year or anything about anything this year? Cause it was just like a, such a crazy thing that was happening at the time and I mean it's still insane to think about now and it's still happening now so um I can see that they are making steps they've like you know they're making steps to be safer and it's only creating more jobs for people because of the new technologies that are coming out for them to do their jobs and that kind of thing so that there's always a silver lining that I try to look for with all this but um yeah if this had never happened I I think we would be playing Breath of the Wild 2 if not, like, in March, but, uh, like, November this year. I don't even think it's coming out this year either, so. Really? Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's coming I, out this year. <laughs> I, I think it's coming out in November. Well, actually, let me take that back. I think it's coming out. <laughs> I think it's coming out in March. So, technically not this year, but, like, within a year. 
Okay. How about that? I think that was my prediction a couple weeks ago when we said that. I think I also said if we didn't see it at E3, I'd eat my copy of Breath of the Wild. Yes, you did say that. <laughs> so there's also there's also that. Um, yeah, I you know what? I love that. Yeah, I, I know that these questions can't be answered and it's all hypothetical and speculation and whatever, but these are such interesting thought experiments to me to see like how the series really could be different if certain things happened or didn't happen or had happened differently over the course of, you know, the last 35 years. So it, it's such a fascinating topic to me. Um, I am going to write about these in long form over on the site. So if you're interested in this topic, check it out. But yeah, I don't know. I, I love kind of putting my my thinking cap on and, and speculating like, you know, what what could have been if, you know, if things just didn't work out the way that they did. Some of it for the better, some of it for the worse. Yeah, it's more fun to think about it for something like this than your own life, which can be a little dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> no, oh, it was God. a good it was a good discussion and I I'm excited to see like, you know, in the next 10, 20 years what kind of questions we come up with like what if breath of the wild 2 came out during the pandemic like would it have changed how people would have bought it or played it because you know everybody's at home during the pandemic that's why animal crossing probably did so well so you know that's i'm interested to see what questions we come up with in the future yeah totally and and anyone listening uh if you have like a what if question i would love to to hear what it is let us know over on discord or let us know over on twitter um, at Spateri316 and at Allison Aletha. Um, but there was no what ifs about it, Allison. This was another great episode here. Uh, we are out of time, though. We're going to get out of here. Um, of course, we want everybody listening to check us out over on Twitter, like I mentioned, and subscribe over on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify. You know the drill wherever you get your podcasts. Go and give us that sweet five star review if you think that we have earned it. And uh, until then, everybody have a great week and we'll see you back here next week take care